Beautiful Not Broken, your weekly inspirational hit of solid advice and life stories coming to you to help you rebuild from rock bottom. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Beautiful Not Broken. I am, as I always say, so grateful that you're here. Today's topic is pretty heavy, so we're chucking a trigger warning on it in case you have ever suffered from mental health uh, issues such as anxiety or depression. I just want to warn you that today I'm going to be covering off some stuff around this because I haven't done any episodes directly on this yet and I wanted to get into it. I think it's an important conversation to have, especially at the moment, because, you know, with everything going on, I'm sure a lot of people might be experiencing anxiety for the first time and be unaware of it. They may not know options available to them um, in regards to, you know, getting a a mental health certificate from their doctor. It's actually like a program. And I just wanted to cover off my experience with anxiety and my journey and go a little bit deeper into that. I know in the first few episodes, I, I, I think I touched on it pretty heavily, but today I really want to touch on it and just hopefully empower people to realize that it's not abnormal to be feeling this way. It's very, very common and you're not alone. I see you, I hear you, validate the way that you feel, uh, and you will be okay is the most um, important message I think I can give to you and know that there's nothing wrong with seeking help um, when it comes to mental health. It's actually really helps you on the journey of, you know, learning a lot about yourself. And that's the experience I've had. I know I've done episodes around there's no shame in it and, um, you know, how I, I feel like people invalidate people that have had it in ways that they don't even realize they're doing it. But today I just want to talk you through my personal experience with it and how it, it came up for me. So I've done a whole episode around my avoidance and, this really was how my anxiety managed to manifest. I spent a lot of my life avoiding things that made me pretty upset. I, I really don't like being upset. Even now, I still have a real, a lot of women talk about, I love having a cry. It makes me feel so good. And I do love having a private cry, <laughs> but having a public cry for me is still very, very, um, you know, I don't like it. I don't feel comfortable. And yeah, but it's something I've had to realize it's actually okay. It's perfectly okay to show people that you have emotion. If anything, it actually helps them connect with you better. And generally it actually opens doors for you and helps you connect with people and it can completely change how people see you and, and how they want to deal with you. So I've had to get over that. I've had to get used to actually facing the way that I feel about things and saying, no, you know what? It's actually okay that I feel that way. I think a lot of the time we put pressure on ourselves as to how we should be feeling based on, I'm not sure what, I'm not sure why we decide we should be feeling a certain way. I think Hollywood has a lot to blame for it. I know I blame a lot on Hollywood, but it's because we're given this example of what it looks like to lose someone, what it looks like to go through a divorce. And the only things that we have around grief and divorce and loss and all of the things is actually what we see in literature or actually read in literature and then see on in the movies or see in TV shows. And no one really depicts the truth of it. Um, 
sometimes you get close to it. But, you know, that the whole thing about you lose someone and you just break down and start sobbing, in my experience, yes, people have a big cry, but when you're faced with because some quite shocking and confronting news, generally the first thing that happens to you is a complete sense of shock. It's not actually this huge emotional moment. For a lot of people, they become quite emotionally shut down. And this is where the avoidance kicks in because we can remain in that shutdown period for a lot longer than we think because it's a nicer place to sit than actually facing the horrible truths of what we have to face. That's why denial in the grief cycle, which, look, I'm all for the grief cycle. It exists, okay? I'm not denying that. We're all kind of going, well, no, we are all going through it right now. And hence why I want to do this episode to really raise awareness of what anxiety feels like and what depression feels like, because we're actually going through the grief cycle right now. I think grief is heavily linked to mental health. I personally developed anxiety through an avoided grief cycle. I sat in denial, not even denial. I didn't sit in denial. I knew it had happened. I believed it had happened. It had very clearly happened. I didn't sit in the depression phase because I was determined not to be depressed. I was determined to be stoic. I, and I think a lot of people are, are showing this behavior now, even with COVID, like, oh, I'll just work harder or, oh, I'll just do this. Or people are going the complete opposite and getting really angry at one another and just acting out. But it's all down to our mental health and how well we cope in these situations, which no one needs to cope well. <laughs> no one asks you to cope well when you're faced with, um, you know, horrible news of any kind and your world's changing. We're not taught and we don't talk about it well, like we don't talk about grief in society. And that's why it becomes super fucking awkward when your friend's parents die and you're like, oh, I'm really, I'm really sorry. And to be honest, it, of course you're sorry, like, it's, but it's not your fault. And I always find it's the weirdest thing for people to say. And I know they're saying it out of trying to console and they're trying to do the right thing and be comforting. But I personally think that it's not the most comforting thing to have said to you. And it's also awkward for the person saying it. And I think if we, in our society, and I've actually been talking about this a lot this week, in our society, probably because I'm writing a book about it, in our society, we don't talk about grief. We, but death is a guarantee in life. We are all going to face death ourselves. And also, we're all going to face death of a loved one. Yet we fear it. We worry about it. We subconsciously spend a lot of time thinking about it. and But yet it's the most important aspect of our life because if life was endless, what would we be living for? We wouldn't change. We wouldn't develop because we know that we have all this endless time to do whatever the fuck we want. So I've gone off track here talking about grief, but it's all because we're actually going through the grief cycle right now and I wanted to highlight that for you. The way that you're feeling right now if you're in lockdown, um, you know, even if you can't go back home and see a loved one or whatever it is, however you've been affected by COVID, because we've all been affected. There's not one person walking this planet right now that hasn't been affected by this disease. And how how we're coping or not coping 
is all a part of the grief cycle. And a lot of people I think will be experiencing anxiety for the first time because being locked up, it can bring a lot of emotions to the surface that we've actually pushed down and we've lived in avoidance of. And this was how I ended up with chronic anxiety for years. My anxiety lasted for five years and the whole time it was it was hell. I I think I've mentioned before, like I could I couldn't get on public transport. I couldn't I had no confidence. I never knew what was gonna happen when I was gonna get another attack. I was really in the, the dark about my own body and my own feelings. And I don't wish that upon anyone. It's a horrible place to be in. And unfortunately though, pretty much all of us will at one point experience a form of panic attack or a form of an anxiety attack. Anxiety is such a widely used word and it's that, that you know, that feeling in your heart, it's beating fast. It's, you know, you just can't calm down. And, it, you know, it's that whole fight or flight response. And you're, you, you can feel your body's like tense. A panic attack is something quite different. If you've never had one, cool, good on you. You're very lucky. But when you have a panic attack, you, you genuinely, most of the time, think you're dying of either a heart attack or some sort of body failure. When my panic attacks come on, I get like stabbing pains in my left arm and in my heart. So instantly I'm like, oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. I can't calm down. I try and rationalize my thoughts. I find it really a struggle to rationalize my thoughts. Often I'll get numbness in all my limbs. In extreme cases, I was actually getting migraines. Interestingly enough, I've not had a migraine since I have been out of my relationship. And now I genuinely think <laughs> my relationship was a headache. Um, but obviously, because it was such a toxic, um, horrible environment for me, it was, it was causing me to have migraines because I was once again avoiding and keeping all these emotions in. So when we avoid and we push emotions down and they have nowhere else to go, they start coming out in our body, in muscle soreness, in tiredness, in migraines, in constant headaches, in neck pain. You get the drift. It, you, they're coming out one way or another. We can't push things down without it eventually overflowing. Think of it like a bucket. It's going to eventually overflow. And I think a lot of people would be facing a lot of thoughts right now in lockdown that maybe they haven't had to process before because they've always been busy, because they've always been going out, because they've kept their themselves in such a state that they don't need to do the self-reflection work. And now a lot of people are probably experienced severe anxiety, not only because of the lockdowns and what's actually happening and feeling cut off and isolated, but also because we're having to face trauma that we may not have dealt with. We're having to bring up a lot of shit because we have a lot of time with our thoughts. And I think it's really important that we know what to do with that so it doesn't manifest as deeper depression or anxiety. Now, as you know, I've also had depression. Uh, I've spoken about that pretty pretty heavily as well. It, my last bout of it was in 2019 and it was really bad. <laughs> And I'm blessed in that I could see that I 
had it pop its pop up again. And a lot of people, unfortunately, experience it in a very different way to me and aren't able to get on top of it or don't seek the help they need. I wanted to run through with you what what were the warning signs for me. It was the constant lethargy, so the not wanting to see my friends and questioning friendships. I genuinely thought I'm not that important to people. They won't really miss me. Um, questioning my relationship should have been questioned. <laughs> um Sorry, I can't not laugh about that stuff, I know. I know, it's bad, it's bad. But, um, yeah, and then so that was another warning sign for me. The thing about depression is it actually morphs our memories too. So depression is such a disease that it actually convinces us that the joy and the happiness that we've had in certain times with friends or the nice things they've said or all of the things we've done well in our career, all of the things that we're doing really, really well, our brain can start convincing us that that was all fake and none of that existed. And it literally changes our perspective on the future and it changes our memories of the past and it gives us no rational thinking in the present. And that's the scariest part of it. That's why it can be so easy to get caught down the rabbit hole and be unable to bring yourself back out. I've always been able to bring myself back out and really I have done it on my own. Um, I've been very quiet with friends in the past about it. I would never openly say, oh, I'm, I'm depressed. I've often talked about it after the fact and people don't really know what to say to you. Even now that mental health is such a conversation, I still have always felt like people don't know how to handle the conversation once it starts. And fair enough, we're not, you know, not everyone's a trained psychologist, so to expect them to be is unrealistic. But I think we need more conversation in society around the fact that most of us will at one point in our life experience depression. It'll just be, I guess, the level of depression. Like not everyone has depression in a way that will give them suicidal ideation or, you know, cause them to harm themselves. Some people just experience severe like depression in the fact that they just feel down all the time and they can't, they can't actually see the happiness in their life. Um, you know, there's many different forms of depression. And the most important thing is that we talk about it so that people that do experience it know their options and feel supported because I know that our psychologists in Australia, our therapists, all of that, the mental health providers are inundated at the moment because of COVID. But there's other people out there, like I've had coaches help me through times as well. There are some really great coaches out there. You've got to be really careful though with coaches. Some of them can open the space for you, but don't actually know how to deal with something that heavy. Uh, So you do need to be careful. I personally, the last time found a psychologist because I knew that even a counselor or a therapist couldn't actually help me with how depressed I was to the point where they actually really wanted to put me on medication and I I refused um, because I knew cognitive therapy worked really well on me. But it's also about knowing yourself and knowing what you need 
to, to pull yourself out. And it doesn't have to be a lonely road. I chose for it to be a lonely road. I chose not to talk to people about it because I was still felt a lot of shame around the conversation and I felt like it meant I was failing at life and I was very stoic and I made it a lonely path. And the person that I did choose to confide in um, had no time to talk about it and thought I wasn't serious, <laughs> which, you know, that's it's hard. And that's why actually they say, you know, there's so many people that say, yeah, you know, my door's open, talk to me. But at the end of the day, we do need to be selective about who we talk to and who can hold space for us because not everyone is equipped to have these conversations. Some people have their own shit going on. And I said this on a post about Are You Okay Day because I saw a lot of people slander that day this year and it upset me, to be honest, because people like, oh, you know, influencers just use it to build their status and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, not everyone feels comfortable to ask someone about their mental health because mental health for them could be a really big trigger or it could just be something they are incredibly awkward about talking about because it wasn't until really the past few years that it's become a conversation that everyone can have. It used to be so taboo. When I had, when I was first diagnosed with anxiety, I couldn't tell my workplace. There was absolutely no way I would ever have confided in my workplace And I was having, on average, three to four panic attacks in the workplace every day. In board meetings, well, like not necessarily board board meetings, but in project meetings, in planning meetings, in marketing meetings, in every meeting I went into, I almost had panic attack. I wasn't coping at all, but I didn't feel okay to share that with my workplace. My HR manager at the time, she was amazing and I would go and often cry in her office and she knew without me having to say anything what was going on but the avoidance piece my anxiety started showing as headaches at work migraines at work all of these things at work and I started having a lot of sick days because I literally was sick my body was breaking so I think it's really, it's really common to avoid what we don't want to face. And it's really easy to run the opposite direction when it feels painful and it feels hard there, you know, but the problem with running the other direction is <laughs> the thing that you're running from is running faster than you are. So regardless of how fast you can run, it is always going to catch up with you. And when it does, it's going to seem twice as hard. If you face things head on as they hit you, and you face the crying and the pain and and just react like a human and remember that you are human at all times above all else, then I promise you that the other side of sitting with it and working through it in a way that honours what you've been through is much better than trying to run from it and pretend that you're okay when you're not. Because these days, there's so much permission given for people to not be okay. And especially at times like these, there is nothing wrong with saying that you're not coping, that you're missing your family, that you're missing your friends. It's not about people being soft or there being no resilience in the community anymore. This is new territory. And it really upsets me when people say that, you know, people just aren't resilient or 
you know, oh, that was worse in World War II or, but this is our challenge of our time. We're not, we, we haven't lived through the stuff other people have lived through and go, thank God, you know, right? But it doesn't lessen how someone reacts to something now based on their history, what their life has been. There's nothing wrong with having a reaction to something that's negative and it should never be compared to another negative thing. Let's not also, I mean, the whole other episode that I could have with some amazing women that I know that are working in this play, this space on generational trauma. We're not that far removed that people aren't still carrying wounds from their parents' past. And that's a whole other thing, you know, our, the thing, the troubles and the trauma that our parents didn't deal with, we're dealing with as well. And it's only until, it's only been up until now that people are actually even talking about that. So I think, I hope today I've given you some insight into what are the warning signs of it, what it can feel like, and the fact that you're not, um, there's nothing wrong with you and that you can seek help. Our government offers assistance in this place. So go and see your doctor if you're struggling and get yourself a mental health plan. I think you get 10 visits and it's subsidized. A lot of people I know right now are struggling money-wise, but what I say to you is this is your life. This is your mental health. And if you were sick, if you had a broken leg, money, you would find the money to look after that broken leg. You wouldn't just walk around because you want your leg, right? It's the same with your mental health. It, it's actually probably even maybe more important because it's your future as well. It's our, our mental health deserves our attention like all of our health does. So I hope that's been helpful. Of course, I'm always open to questions on any of these topics that I cover. And I told you today I was going to be a little bit heavier than usual. We didn't have many laughs today. Sorry, guys. Maybe I should crack a joke. No, I don't, I don't have any. <laughs> but you can reach me at Beck underscore Chapel on Insta and Chapel Beck on Facebook. And as I said, if there's anything you want me to ever talk about, deeper or anything that you're loving or you know please leave me a review send me a message reach out and connect with me and I hope that you're looking after yourself at this time it is a challenge and there's nothing wrong with the fact that it's a challenge it's a challenge for everyone but in a unique way and I urge you to look after yourself and honor the way that you feel 